You're listening to Campus Review Radio. Hi, it's Lauren, Education Editor. Journalist turned international politics professor, Deakin University's Damien Kingsbury, has monitored Timor-Leste's elections ever since it gained independence in 1999. He did so again this year. I spoke to Professor Kingsbury about how he became involved in this work and why it matters for Australia. So I thought I could start with finding out how you became interested in uh, sort of the Asian region in general, but Timor-Leste in particular. Okay, I used to be a journalist uh, a long time ago, previous incarnation, and I got a, uh, I received a, a grant from the federal government to do research in Southeast Asia because there was, the government was trying to encourage greater engagement in the region by journalists. They believed at the time that there wasn't enough um, knowledge, regional knowledge. Anyway, I went out and about uh, and did a number of stories and interviewed people and, and wrote, wrote things. And, uh, but one of the countries that I tried to go to at the time was Indonesia. At that time, Australian journalists were banned. And that always struck me as sort of unusual. And I investigated that a bit further and moved eventually across into teaching, um, uh, teaching journalism initially, and decided, well, if I'm going to be teaching, I need to do a PhD. And I thought, what will I do a PhD on? And I thought, why Australian journalists are banned from Indonesia would be a good one. And what that means, what are the arguments around that and so on. So that was my PhD. Uh, Basically, Australia-Indonesia bilateral relations with a focus on the role of journalists in that. And just as I was finishing, um, the editor or an editor from Oxford University Press got in touch and said, would you write a book on Indonesian politics for us? And, you know, you don't sort of say no to that sort of request. Um, and I finished it and they liked it and it sold well. And then they said, would you write one on Southeast Asia? And I did that. And one thing led to another. And I basically decided that I was much more interested in regional politics uh, and development issues than I was in journalism. And as an academic, how did you become involved in East Timor's independence ballot and also its elections? Well, one of the key issues in Australia's relationship with Indonesia at the time was the status of East Timor. And I thought that in order to understand it, I needed to go there. So I went there, it was in the early 90s, and I went there to try to do some research. And I was there for, I don't know, about a week, and uh, went around the place, talked to people, got a sense of the the area, Uh, but I was kicked out uh, by the Indonesian authorities. They realised that they didn't want somebody snooping around or what they thought was snooping around. So I was uh, put on a plane and out of there. And uh, so that that kept up interest. And and years before, in 1983, I received a scholarship to study journalism overseas. And the scholarship was was originally founded in honour of the Ballybo Five, uh, Australian journalists or Australian-based journalists who were killed in East Timor in 1975. So there was that link as well. Um, In 19... I wrote this book on Indonesian politics. Uh, on the back of that, uh, a, a friend 
who was running the human rights office for, for what was then the um, Australian Council for Overseas Aid. Pat Walsh uh, asked if I would be interested in being part of an observer mission to Indonesia's elections uh, in 1999 because uh, President Sahata had resigned the year before. Habibi uh, had taken over as president and there were going to be elections to decide on the future of the country, uh, new new presidents and so on. And I said, yeah, that would be great. So I went to Indonesia and that all went very well. And I had been back uh, probably only a matter of weeks when it became clear that East Timor would be having a ballot to determine its own future. And Pat and uh, another woman who had been involved from the trade union movement decided to also organise election observers for that. And they interviewed because it was a different situation. It was more contested, more difficult security problems and so on. They actually wanted to interview everybody who, who before they said, look, we would like you to go. I was one of those interviewed. And uh, in the end, they asked me to actually coordinate that observer group to the East Timor ballot for independence in 1999. And I went over for that and I was there for a couple of months and that was a pretty challenging experience. Um, obviously, it was the security environment was very poor. Uh, people we knew were being killed. Um, it was it was a, a bad time. And, and I was pretty angry, I guess, uh, at the end of that, that the Indonesian military had devastated the place, um, had lied about their intentions. You know, it was quite obvious what they were doing. And I just, I guess, like a lot of people, committed myself to trying to do something about it. I guess it's, it, 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 it felt like it, it sort of put its hooks in. And, and I guess things went from there. Um, I went back a number of times uh, just to see what was going on, to see if I could find friends. Um, then I started doing research there. And then I was asked to go back and coordinate election observers in 2007. And uh, things took off from there. So I did the two presidential elections and the parliamentary election in 2007. And was regarded as successful, so I was asked to go back and do it again in 2012. Um, the model we were using worked quite well, and we went off to Myanmar for their first democratic elections in many, many decades. Um, that was in 2015. And went back uh, to East Timor last year and again this year. And uh, last year, of course, was fine. Everything went well. The process was a good one. But uh, the people in their wisdom elected um, a minority or a, a party which formed a minority government. Uh, and uh, that minority government wasn't able to function. As a consequence, um, new elections had to be called. And we went back again this year. So before we get on to the election results, can you tell me a bit about what your role as coordinator of the observation mission entails? Well, I, because I've been doing it for quite a while now, it's coming up for 20 years, I have a database of um, 
people have expressed interest in coming along on these things. Uh, a range, a wide range of people, some people from friendship groups, East Timor, Australia friendship groups, some, uh, some parliamentarians, trade unionists, um, academics, uh, people from the Australian Election Commission and, and former members of the Australian Election Commission. Uh, you know, a really wide range of people um, have expressed interest in coming along. So I've got this database, and, and when, when these elections come up, I put out a call and I say, okay, who would like to come? Now, it's a volunteer process. So everybody who comes has to pay for themselves. And uh, I will organise their accreditation, but I don't organise their travel arrangements. So I can give them basic information about places to stay and so on, but I don't book their tickets or you know, do bulk bookings of airlines or accommodation or anything. But we do tend to stay in much the same sorts of places or place. And I do assist them with as much general information as possible. And again, having done this for some time, I've accumulated quite a bit of information around the process. Uh, so what I do is talk to people about why they want to do it. Do they have the capacity? Do they know what they're getting into? Um, do they have any experience or do they come from a political background at all? Because a lot of the people who come obviously have some sort of interest either in East Timor or in politics. Um, I arrange their accreditation, as I said, and that's a fairly laborious and bureaucratic process. Uh, but, you know, it, it's, it's something that once you've done it a few times, you get to know what you have to do. And... Then I brief them, uh, brief the observers on what they need to do, what some of the concerns, safety issues are, health, and so on. And I've also had some assistance too from uh, a former international head or the head of the international branch of the Australian Electoral Commission, Michael Maley. And he's participated um, for the last uh, few elections. And he's been excellent in terms of his technical knowledge of the electoral process. So we go through all of that with the observers. We explain the process. We tell them what they need to look out for. We give them a check sheet. And then we send them out to regions. Now, we don't, because they're, they're volunteers, we don't tell them where they have to go. Uh, but we do, if they ask for suggestions, we can provide suggestions. Um, but we get tend to get a pretty good coverage of the country and we get a good sampling of how the election process has gone. And, uh, and as a consequence of that, they then file reports based on a template that, that, I, that I give them. And then I compile that information and I write a report on the election itself and say whether it met the basic criteria for being free and fair, what, whether there were technical issues, uh, what the Electoral Commission and East Timor might do better next time, and so on. So can your report have an actual impact on current or future elections? Do the Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so the reports that we write are taken quite seriously uh, for a couple of reasons, I guess. One is we have consistently, since 1999, had the largest presence of observers for uh, any ballot in East Timor. So for all of the ballots that we've attended, we've always been the largest international group. There's a, there's a very large um, domestic church-based group that also acts as observers, and they do a great job. But because they're local, 
they're not seen as having quite the critical distance that we have. So the internationals would include the Carter Centre, the European Union, the International Republican Institute, Japanese government, um, uh, a Filipino-based organisation called, called ANFREL, the, so the, uh, the Net Asian Network for Free and Fair Elections, um, and and us, uh, but we are consistently the largest group, often double the size of the next nearest group. Um, and the reports we write are quite detailed and thorough, and we give an over, overarching view of the election, and then we go into the specifics. So if we talk about, for example, things like um, party agents uh, are allowed to be in polling stations to watch the process, uh, but sometimes they don't do things according to the rules. So we've written recommendations about how they might be better controlled or things they might or might be uh, asked not to do or ways which can improve their role in the in the process. Um, things like uh, we noted in 2012 that people were taking uh, smartphones into polling booths, uh, phones with cameras, and they were taking photographs of their ballots, their their and and then showing that photograph to people outside who would pay them. So they were being paid to vote in a particular way. Now, it wasn't many people, not enough to change election results, but clearly that was a breach of process, which we identified. And as a consequence, the uh, Electoral Commission in East Timor banned the use or the presence of mobile phones in polling stations. Um, so there's things like that uh, that we've we've um, made recommendations on and which have been acted on. So on to the election that happened recently. Uh, first of all, how free and fair was it, and also what was the outcome? Well, the process itself was great. Um, East Timor has an excellent electoral commission. Uh, they're technically very, very skilled, very able and adept, and they function in a technically very difficult environment. East Timor is a very rugged country with very poor roads, uh, very poor infrastructure, and often very, very remote uh, polling stations. So they get out the electoral materials um, to even the most remote polling stations in a very timely manner. Uh, and the training provided to staff is very good. And, you know, we've been increasingly impressed by the quality of, of the process in East Timor. It, it would stand up uh, against any developing country in the world and even against many and perhaps most developed countries in terms of the quality of the organisation. So the process itself was good, it was very good. Um, we have heard in this election in particular one political leader complained about the process having been subverted in some cases so the result wasn't an accurate reflection of the um, the, the, the vote. Uh, we disputed that because uh, from our, our research, from our work, the process was actually exactly as it, it was uh, said to be. And what we discovered was this particular politician was making these claims because with a slight change in the vote, uh, his party would have been the party that was given the first opportunity to form government. And that wasn't the case. Now, 
that's just politics and obviously politicians from time to time will try it on. Uh, unfortunately, that politician also tried it on again this year uh, on the day of the elections and we issued a statement very quickly saying that all of our preliminary reports had shown that the process was in fact going according to plan, that disputing the process was a political ploy and it had no basis in fact and if there was evidence of uh, manipulation of the process then that should be presented to the Court of Appeals as per constitutional requirements. Uh, of course there was no evidence so it didn't ever proceed but the outcome of that election of the last election uh, this year uh, in East Timor was that uh, the uh, parliamentary uh, sorry, the Alliance for Progress and Change, AMP, it was the Parliamentary Majority Alliance, combination of three parties in coalition, uh, won 34 of the 65 seats in the Parliament. And as of today, we expect that the President, uh, Francisco Guterres, will announce the formation of a new government within the next two weeks. So why is it important that Australia is involved in overseeing their political process? We don't oversee their process. We, see, we have monitors which monitor the process. So there's a bit of a difference between overseeing it, which, involves, uh, which implies a, a direct involvement in the process itself. We don't get involved in the process. What we do is we monitor the process and then we report on it. Uh, and the reason why there are observers is uh, because in many countries, the process can be rorted uh, and we're there to give confidence to the locals that the process won't be rorted. And if it is, we will call it out, as indeed we did in 1999. And that was an incredibly difficult environment. Um, you know, people, Like I said, people were being murdered, intimidated, and people had their homes burned. Um, there were illegal voters enrolled, uh, people were being paid to vote. Uh, there was all sorts of things going on, and we reported on all of that. So it was absolutely necessary to have independent observers there at that time. But we've gone, we've continued to go back to lend confidence to the people uh, that we are there. We continue to be there as their friends to endorse their democratic process uh, and to ensure that the democratic process is able to proceed as it's supposed to. And as I said, in this most recent election, one of the senior politicians in the country actually tried to cast doubt on the validity of the result before the election was even over. And we were there to say, well, based on our information, uh, this is incorrect. The process is actually running very, very well. And if you have evidence, you need to put it up to the Court of Appeals. Now, that particular political actor thereafter backed off. But if that person's party had lost the election and there hadn't been somebody there to call him out, then that could have resulted in a very problematic political situation for what is still uh, a relatively fragile post-conflict um, and recently independent country. Are there any sort of strategic geopolitical reasons why stability in that country matters for Australia? 
Oh, yeah, look, stability in East Timor is incredibly important to Australia for strategic, certainly strategic reasons and diplomatic reasons. We don't want an unstable country on our doorstep. We did have, there was instability in East Timor in 2006. As a consequence, Australia headed a peacekeeping force that went into the country to stabilise the situation. Um, we don't want that to happen again. Now, I'm not suggesting that election observers really have anything to do with that. We, It's not our role to ensure that the country is stable or not, but we are there to support, as we can, uh, the democratic political process and to make sure that works as well as it can. If that works well and is seen to be working well, then that is probably the best guarantor you can have of uh, political stability in the country. Um, and just as a final question, a more personal one, how do you juggle these kinds of activities with your academic work? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good question. Well, I mean, some of my research has been on East Timor, so I do write on it from time to time. Uh, I've written one book and I've edited three books on the country and I guess I'll be doing more in the future. And I write, um, you know, articles, journal articles and so on and East Timor, um, but partly it's just part of, it's a general commitment. And I think it's we have in universities um, three categories of work. One is teaching, the other is research, and the third category is service, which is quite generic. Service usually means um, doing something for the university in a sort of a managerial type of role or organisational role, but it can also mean community service. So so working in the community in areas that are related to your research and teaching in the university. And it's accepted that this work in around election monitoring uh, falls under that, that heading of service. So um, the university is quite flexible about allowing me to go and do that. It does add to work. It certainly... Um, logistically a fairly demanding exercise while it's on and um, but you know sometimes you just have a lot of balls in the air and you've got to be able to juggle them uh, and I think I, I wrote to some friends uh, a short while ago when all this was going on um, that there were a few balls in the air I think at the time I was finishing a book to a deadline organizing observers for those elections um, managing a master's degree, um, overseeing the, the creation of a new master's program and moving house. And, uh, you know, there was probably a moment or two there where I thought I was going to, um, you know, have a nervous breakdown, but it all worked out well. So I guess uh, all's well that ends well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's comforting. <laughs> yeah. Well, the book's finished. We've moved house. The two master's programs are fine and um, and the election monitoring process went off without a hitch. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure.